This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. To those on the outside looking in, there are so many misunderstandings about who exactly game developers are and what they do. Despite the idea of turning ones and zeros into living, breathing game worlds filled with explosions and enjoyable mechanics that we can play for thousands of hours, someone out there on the internet will always think they know a little bit more about the job than the developer themselves. As always, it's welcome to the internet, but also welcome to this list. Something I've put together with the help of one Tommy Miller, a helpful game developer chap and friend of the site whose work you can find in titles from Ubisoft, Rare and his own studio High Tea Frog, alongside many more. Tommy has many things to say about the state of game development and his own experiences as a developer. So between us, we've compiled a list of the various common misconceptions that surround video game development. I'm Scott from WhatCulture.com and these are the eight biggest misconceptions you have about video game developers. Number eight, they all work a hundred plus hour weeks. Popularised by the likes of Riot and Rockstar, who all but gloated about the overworking of their respective staff pools, the idea of working 100-hour weeks consistently is not only terrifying, but completely unsustainable. To work 100-hour weeks, you would need to be doing a minimum of 15 hours a day, with no time off. Given how mentally draining game development is, and that it's recommended you take a break every 4 hours, it suddenly becomes clear that this is a crazy thing to brag about. It's partly the fault of the normalization of crunch, the term used to describe short, super intense work sessions usually used to finish a tricky sprint of work off which has now become a completely regular part of working in the industry. In the current climate, we've also seen the return of the quote-unquote death march. What happens in game development when crunch has to be sustained indefinitely, normally because of an impending release and poor planning, until the project is finally finished. Thankfully though, game devs don't all work 100-hour weeks, and if you ever see a company bragging about how they're crunching super hard to bring you, our loyal customers, what you want, it needs to be addressed. Losing that much of your sanity and time on this earth to sheer concentration and stress is not okay. Number 7. QA departments just play games all day. Say this to a member of a quality assurance team and prepare to watch a grown human either explode in a hail of frustration and guts or you'll just be punched in the neck. QA is some of the most intensive work anyone in a game development studio will likely ever do. 
Tommy notes that he had to do it briefly between two different roles in the same studio, and he mentions that he's never worked so hard in his life. One task was trying to replicate and potentially fix a bug that required around 8 different steps before he could even have a go each time. Endless bug reports experimenting with physics engines just to see what will happen to a racetrack's edge if you hit it with a car from every single angle. If you think of all the potential things you can do in any given game, right down to walking up and down stairs properly, that is a QA department's job. Number 6. Taking a deal is selling out. Imagine for a second you've been developing a game prototype for a year. In that time you've scrimped and saved, trying to fund your project, all the licenses, equipment, rent, staff, etc. because publishers aren't interested until you've got more of a game to show. Your money has run dry and you're doing contract work to pay the bills, which should earn you one more month on the game. In that time you polish your prototype enough to get a publisher interested and they're gonna pay the bare minimum for its production. After this, you live on the breadline for an additional year and a half, finishing the game. You calculate that you'd need to sell around 5,000 copies for the past 3 years of working hard and scraping by to break even, but you're starting to worry about how fast the game will even be able to manage that. A month? A year? 10 years? Out of nowhere, a platform emails you, telling you that they'll pay the equivalent of 15,000 copies up front for a year of exclusivity. You'll have no worries about having to do contract work for a while, you'll have money to spare, and you can get started on your next game immediately. Now imagine turning that security, that enormous boon of money and freedom down because you don't want to hurt the feelings of fanboys who arbitrarily refuse to own a particular brand of console slash launcher. To those individuals, and this is Tommy reiterating this, try living on salted boiled rice for a year, then subsequently try to turn down the offer of a three course Sunday roast just because some guy on the other side of the room says he doesn't like Yorkshire puddings. Number 5. AAA Devs Don't Care About Their Work this is another sad one to hear because Tommy notes that in his 12 plus years of working in the industry, he's only met a couple of developers tops who treated the job as a means to an end. Just because game development is a creative industry doesn't always mean that there's a lot of leeway for creativity at the time. In AAA development, a lot of the details get locked in from the start. And as a developer, a programmer, an artist, an animator, anyone, your job is just to get it done. Sure, you can have ideas and pass them on to your team leader, but they'll need to pass it on to the department lead. And sometimes that'll mean talking to studio heads, and you can easily see how at any point in this process, your idea might be lost, shot down, or totally changed. Do not ever say that game developers don't care. Don't say that they didn't think about X or that they're lazy. Chances are they totally did, they fought for it and they moaned about it to other people for weeks. They just got shut down by someone with real decision making power in the end. Game developers love the games they make and they want them to be the best they can be. Sadly though, hearing nope we can't do that happens 9 times out of 10. Number 4. Everybody Codes this seems to come from the outdated notion of a one-person developer coding alone, doing all the art, sound and design alongside. However, now teams consist of upwards of 300 staff, with the majority of those individuals involved in developing the game itself. With the introduction of engines and all manner of middleware, pieces of software designed to ease backend development, a developer can edit, update, or amend huge pieces of a game with little to no programming knowledge. Incidentally, this shift in accessibility has created an ongoing argument about which roles are and are not developer roles. Some of these stubborn old guards still believe only programmers can be developers. Whilst on the other side there's a camp that believes everyone in a game development studio is a developer, whether or not they work on the game itself. 
The vast majority tend to reside in the middle, as does Tommy, believing that developers have to help develop the game, but that everyone in the studio is crucial, whether they're called developers or not. Number three, that everybody is rich. Though it certainly differs greatly from country to country, in the United Kingdom, game developers tend to get paid pretty modestly. In fact, in the AAA space, there's something of a gulf in pay bands that still needs to be addressed. Whilst team leads and some seniors make up to around £80,000 a year, this is far from the most typical salary in a big studio. For example, the lower earners, which includes bafflingly QA, can earn as little as £14,000 to £15,000 a year, which is about how much you'd earn stacking shelves in a big supermarket. Graduate or entry-level artists in UI, character art, etc. can expect salaries of around 18k. And programmers who tend to be the most amply compensated usually start at around 19 to 21,000 a year. The gulf I'm referring to is one of progression. With larger studios, the real value is in retention of staff. So promotions usually come with very modest pay upgrades, until you get to a certain level where that pay starts to jump up considerably. For Tommy, in his first non-contractual role, he went from 18k to 25k in the space of nearly 6 years, before that company went into liquidation and he had to start at a significantly lower pay bracket at a new company all over again. It can be extremely disheartening to feel as though progress is being halted, particularly in a creative and competitive field, which is likely why so many people tend to stay in the same AAA game studio their whole lives. One thing is for certain though, if you're entering into the game development space, make sure it's not to make a ton of cash. Unless you're willing to put a bunch of time into the same studio. Number 2. Game Developers Ignore The Fans Do you know how loud video game fans are to game developers? They're like Adventure Time's Earl of Lemon Grab. Impossible to ignore, noisy, incoherent and tragically entertaining. The thing is though, just because a point is being made loudly, doesn't mean that it's being made well. For every well-meaning, well-thought-out point about a game's design or overall composition, there are thousands of quote-unquote fans making all sorts of thinly-veiled demands. For every clever, feasible multiplayer balance change, there's an angry teenager typing in all caps to just add a morality system, like there's some sort of morality system button we can just press three months after launch. Moreover, even if game devs could take every suggestion in, chances are, as mentioned previously, they couldn't act on anything anyway, because they just don't have the power to make those changes. You're effectively screaming into an enormous tornado made of screams, asking devs to sort everything out with a tiny handyvac, but they don't even have the permission to turn it on. One thing is for sure though, you are never being ignored. And number one, they all follow a single genius developer into battle. Not in Tommy's entire career has he ever come across the stereotypical one-man machine version of a game dev. This mythical figure that directs and controls all of a game's themes, imagery, flow and overall construction. And yet it's this belief that pervades into so many situations across the industry. How many times do we boil down Nintendo to just Shigeru Miyamoto, Irrational Games to Ken Levine, or Kojima Productions to just Hideo Kojima? We're not saying a single person couldn't have some kind of involvement in every area of a game, but no one person has Borg levels of hive mind control over 50, 80, even 300 talented developers with complete faultless authority. When it comes to game creation, the game largely unfolds as it's made. Design documents aren't ironclad contracts, and when a feature turns out to not work in practice as it did in theory, those documents tend to be altered to fit the new circumstances. This means that each developer has to think on the fly, try out some new things, then perhaps pitch those fixed elements to their team leaders as and when necessary. Whether it's in AAA or the independent space, the auteur genius thing is something of a myth. 
and as Tommy cites his past experience, the only teams where one person has complete creative control tend to be the ones that end up with only that one person left. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.